It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show with Phil Mullinax and J.C. Sherbert. So how many of you would say you speak English fairly well, but with some difficulty? Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. You play to win the game. Now, let's take it away, J.C. and Phil. Inside the Gamecocks, the show, this is J.C. Sherbert. He is Phil Molinax. Uh, today is November 1st, so we're on the no-shave November, right? No-shave. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I, I got in the Nana's porch chat box before we got on the air, right, Phil, and I saw Craiger was in, as he always is, bright and early, and he's like, moving on to Vanderbilt, and all I thought about was like Bill Belichick, where he's like, we're on to Cincinnati. Yeah, that's exactly what I've been feeling this morning too. That and the the harsh realization of, of how fleeting and precious the football season is now that November first is here. <laughs> I know by the end of this this month, it's over. The regular season's yeah. over. You hope you hope Carolina gets to a bowl game. I still think they will. Yep. Um, some news notes, uh, and then I got a funny Halloween story mm-hmm. from last night. Um, Corey Rucker out for the year. I don't think that's a huge surprise. It's been trending that way. Uh, kept re-injuring that foot. Um, transfer in from Arkansas State, of course, caught the 52-yard touchdown pass from Luke Doty against Charlotte. Uh, good player. Uh, was uh, supposed to come in and play this year and help. And uh, so he'll probably, you know, I, guys, with the transfer portal, you never say, well, he'll be back next year. It'll be good, good to go. But I think he'll be back. I mean, I, I'd be surprised if he left again and all that. So, He's out. Marshawn Lloyd on the injury front, uh, according to a source last night, Tony Morrell reports from the Bixper.com that uh, Marshawn is uh, healthy and ready to go. Uh, I think that I think that's kind of everything, Phil. I, I yeah. think without him, losing out becomes a strong possibility. Uh, yeah, but sure. with him, him ready to go individually, he does enough. I think where you know you could put some things back on the table for this team. Uh, mm-hmm. for the rest of the year, regardless of what's going on with the offense. And we all know that. Um, <clears throat> so that's a that's a news and, and note uh, segment there about Marshawn. So he should be ready to go for Vandy. Good luck to the Commodores stopping Marshawn Lloyd. Vandy's not very good pass defense-wise. So maybe the Gamecocks can, can get it going. And uh, mm-hmm. maybe. We, we, we say that every week. But <laughs> maybe they can get the pass <laughs> game going this week. Maybe that's what this is. Um, Nana Sports chat box before Sawyer Nicks comes up here at the bottom of the hour with the mental edge. We always <laughs> love that. Visiting with Sawyer every Tuesdays. And other than that, it's kind of a free-for-all day today. Today's poll question, since uh, Gamecocks are traveling to Nashville. This is interesting because um, <clears throat> kind of the reason we're on this show right now, Phil, uh, is because I wrote an article during the pandemic uh, about top road trips to in my opinion, for the SEC. Now, everybody's got a favorite, right? Uh, some people love LSU. Some people love going to Florida. Some people love going up Tennessee and staying over in Pigeon Forge. You know, I personally, I, I kind of like going to Ole Miss and hanging out in Tunica for a little bit, you know, there's mm. all or Memphis. There's all kinds of, uh, you know, road trips around the league. But my, my question was, you know, because I, I voted for Vanderbilt. Um, and, and here's why. Nashville so much fun. Uh, yeah. I, li- I live there seven years, very familiar with it. Probably will never move back because it's expensive as all get out now. It's like twice as much to live there as when I, when I lived there, it was like nice and cheap and big. And you're like, yeah, woohoo, you know, now <laughs> it's become all bougie. 
Uh, and I think they figured out the demand is there. So they jack up the prices. Like I, I used to be able to go downtown on weekends and, and go hang out and go out and stuff. Cause I didn't live like in downtown Nashville and I could get like a hotel room at embassy suites for like 99 bucks. Oh, Cause yeah. there were no business travel. Now it's like 300. I mean, you're never going to, it's, it's insane. Uh, but you know, still love it. Still love Nashville, Tennessee. And so, and you go and you get to enjoy Nashville, but you also usually win. And also tickets are not hard to come by. <laughs> yeah. It's like when Lewis Grizzard used to talk about the Georgia tech ticket office, tech ticket office. Uh, what time are you kicking off? What time can you be here? What time can you be here? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, yeah, we got plenty of tickets, but, uh, you know, so that's the poll question today. I figured, uh, I could keep asking about the uh, offensive coordinator and, and, you know, and get uh, like yesterday was 99%. Yeah. It was 99% no, so, uh, but that would be captain obvious. So kind of a fun poll question today. Uh, out there, we, we got uh, I help consulting mailbag questions we're going to get to. But as always, we're getting to the chat box, the Nana the Sports chat, chat box. Uh, Carolina Empire, the Satterfield situation is quickly becoming toxic for the fan base and even the media, with folks like Todd Ellis and Tommy Suggs becoming critical of the offense. How can Shane keep turning? And it just drops there, the word yeah. turning. Oh, well, a couple. Yeah, I'll, I'll blind out that. of that and keep gaslighting the fans. You know, a friend of mine on the Big Spur mentioned that term gaslighting today. I guess I never really thought about it like that, you know, because my whole thing is I don't care what they say to the media. I just yeah. don't. Uh, you know, there's a reason why coaches say what they say to the media. In college, you're not required to disclose injuries and things like that. And so it, it's kind of – Media nowadays with coaches is kind of, I mean, you know, you get a viral moment every now and then if Mike Leach talks about, you know, dinosaurs or weddings or something <laughs> like that, but it, it, it's really just blah. I mean, Shane Beamer today is not going to say much in the press conference, right? Uh, no. Except for obviously we have to get better. Uh, but I do understand in like direct communication uh, with the fans that, yeah, I get that. You know, it's like the, it's like the meme with the dog with the coffee in the house that's on fire. Like, this is fine. Yeah, this is fine. This is fine. So, <laughs> uh, so I, I guess I, I haven't thought about it that way. Cause I usually like jump all over people. Why do you care about, you know, what Shane Beamer says to the media, but looking at it from a gaslighting perspective, you know, yeah, I, you I, know. I understand that line of thinking. Brian says morning, fellas. Daniel says morning, JC and Phil morning. morning. Willie Brown morning from Houston, Texas. Yeah. Hey, all yeah. All right, Houston. I bet it's humid down there. <laughs> I, I spent uh, New Year's Day in Houston, Texas. I was for work. I had we stopped over there and stayed at my buddy's house before we went on to San Antonio. We we're going from Orlando, and it, I mean it's New Year's Day, and I walked outside. And it was like Myrtle Beach, and it was, <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Um, Cocky Gaming says, "I'm to the point of just let Rattler call it and haul it. He's at his best when he's out there playing backyard ball." There's way too much thinking involved with the eight to ten word play calls. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, everybody they talk. Everybody talks about simplifying every week, and you know, I, I don't know. It's one of those things where I, I think people's definition of simplifying is a lot different. Like depending on who you talk to, some people are like, "Well, let's call less plays." Some people are like, "Well, let's do it." But but it's really the, the 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 guts of the system. Right, which is right. unfortunate because you can't rip the guts out, right? Nope, not and still survive um, for sure. 
Yeah, uh, Brian says, upon further review, that defensive pass interference called on D.Q. Smith may be the most phantom call I've ever seen. Yes. Yes. I mean, yes, that was, that was, was terrible. Awful. I mean, yeah, yeah. that I don't think I – don't, I don't know that that cost Carolina the game. It did cost them some momentum. Um, and, and it's the second straight week, you know, what the heck what, – what are refs looking at in the Gamecock secondary? Because there were some bad calls back there against A&M, too. It's almost like – Somebody somewhere got told them, hey, South Carolina's defensive backs interfere. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they like, oh, God, well, let's look closer. And you must uh, be right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, and, and so they're, I don't know, I don't know what's going on with that, but it's crap and it needs to stop. Uh, RB says, guys, stop talking about Sat. This is on Shane. Remember that? I was scolded for bringing up the guy's immaturity, but the fact the guy is still here speaks volumes. No, I think the immature thing to do, RB buddy, would be to like just fire people in the middle of the season because you're yeah, mad I mean, about losing the game. I mean, a, and, yeah, and I, I'm not saying that that's not what I would have done. I mean, I, but I'm not the head coach. He is. And it's his responsibility, you're right, to get it fixed. I don't think that anyone needs to be putting like, you know, a mandate on him, you know, making a drastic change in the middle of the year with, with no person to really take over when he's trying to win more football games and get to a ball. Um, yeah. And so that, that's what I think. I mean, I'm just, uh, you know, I, I, and I don't think that's immature. I think, I think there's multiple ways you can look at it and, and you can also interpret it as a mature move, you know, mm-hmm. play it out. Don't do anything crazy. Try and win as many games as you can. And I, and I think with the Marshawn Lloyd news, that kind of puts some, you know, because I, I didn't think he was out for very long. Um, but uh, I think with him in the offense, you, you still have shots to win, you know, uh, yeah. down the stretch. Uh, yeah, for sure. In, I mean, in spite know, of everything. It would be out of character for Shane, I think, to fire, you know, anybody midseason like that. Uh, yeah. But he and knows how important it is, ultimately. You know, I mean, and we don't know what's being said behind the scenes either. That's That's the other thing, you know. Well, we don't know and, what he's saying in his office to, you know, Satterfield. Hey, yeah, simplify this crap. And <laughs> yeah, or hey, look, you know, I mean, and look, I, I, I have, you know, I have faith. Let me, let me put it this way: I have faith that if a change needs to, you know, changes need to be made, and I think we all agree. Mm-hmm. I think, I think, I think they'll come, and, and it's not out of the ordinary for a coach in his second year to say, "Ah, well, we gave it two years; this isn't working." Um, and people will say, well, why didn't he do it last year? Well, you know, if you bought the narrative about the quarterback situation, you bought the narrative about all the injuries and the lack of playmakers and all that. Uh, and then you considered this, and this is something to think about. Uh, they changed coordinators last year. They're on their fourth coordinator in four years. I mean, that's a lot to put kids through, you know, I mean, now you can argue, well, if they, obviously they can't grasp this system, but, and that's a good point as well. Uh, But there was rationale behind that. And, you know, I I just think, you know, the proof is in the pudding at this point. And I think, you know, just like anyone else, you know, when when you're a head coach, you evaluate it uh, when you plan to evaluate it and you make moves when you plan to make moves. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, doing some checking into this further yesterday, there's just really nobody on staff to take over. I mean, if it literally would be like handing somebody a, a burning house and saying, uh, fix it, yeah. build it. Yeah, go ahead and start the repairs now. 
You know, Carolina <laughs> Titan said, did you see the video Dak posted on the storyline? Things appear to be unraveling in house. I didn't, I didn't see. I don't didn't follow see kids that, on yeah. social media. Doc Graybeard says, agreed. Craig beating down Satterfield isn't going to prove a bad situation. <clears throat> agreed there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Rattler, J-Rock says, can be fairly judged or any offensive player due to this bad system. But y'all think a change at quarterback could give us a spark? And if so, should it be Doty or, or, or DK? Well, Phil had a good idea against Missouri for put Joiner in, you know, so that way you're not try, you know, trying to start a quarterback controversy. But um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I I think against Vandy, they'll be fine. I, I think you know, the 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 the, and I almost wrote it, but I didn't want to start anything. You know, right. I didn't want to start this. <laughs> I didn't want to start it. But when you look at Missouri this past year, where they've given up big chunks of of rushing yards, all those teams have had uh, mobile quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Georgia, obviously, they run Stetson Bennett a lot or a good bit more than you think. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> um, and uh, Anthony Richardson at Florida, because Florida got 231 on the ground at home against them. It was mostly their backs, but you got Richardson you got to account for. And, and the Kansas State's more of an option team with Adrian Martinez, and they ran it all over them. So I almost said, could you see Doty? And Because I, I started thinking about it. I was like, well, if they start to struggle, that's not a bad idea because D- Doty has, you know, he, he's a little – he's better runner than Rattler. And mm-hmm. if we notice, Rattler did get some rushing yards. Yeah, you know, and he and made can, some rushing you know, plays. He came out of high school a dual threat kid, so yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. he's got that. But if, if I mean, he's not going to run it if you don't call it. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, and uh, so I don't know. You know, I I I, uh, I I think that Spencer Rattler has a chance to have a really good game at Vandy this weekend. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, but you know, I don't. If you start struggling again, and maybe the team is you're playing susceptible to dual threat guys like true like runners like Doty, maybe you give it a shot, or maybe you put Joiner in. I, I don't know. Uh, Jared says I love Corey Rucker, his attitude and spirit. Looking forward to seeing him develop. Me too. Um, <clears throat> uh, Jan says I'm glad Nashville has honky tonks. I'm going to live in mostly every one leading up to Saturday night's tilt. It's just that bad. My favorite place on earth, I always say this, is uh, the back uh, the back part of Legends Corner because you can hear the live music in the front of the house just fine. It's awesome. But you can also hear the person next to you talk. And there's a door with a porch back there. It's right next to the Ryman where there's centuries of uh, country <laughs> history. I mean, it, and, and you're right there kind of in the middle of it all. Uh, but, yeah, I love honky talks. Wish I was going. Um RB says, guys, if you bring in a high-profile guy like Spencer and bench him, you'll never get a good player out of the portal again. Optics of it will be just awful. Yeah, I don't think you bench him, and that's that's a big good point, RB. Good, big good point right there. Mm-hmm. Um, the Spurs up show had shared Dak DeCarion's story. Blah blah blah. You know, I don't know. Um. <clears throat> Okay, Jordan apparently posted a video on his Instagram of Elijah Moore saying he could tell what the chemistry between him and his quarterback, Zach Wilson, was because he doesn't get the ball. Oh, well, I don't know what that means. <laughs> There's a lot of guys that aren't getting the ball, so somebody people should get it. Right. Um, Craig says, what about Duke's offensive coordinator, Kevin Johns? Yeah, he's done a really good job, was good at Memphis. Man, Duke went to Miami and just punched them in the mouth. Hey, by the way, poor Mike Morgan was on the epic Virginia-Miami call 
Uh, oh, really? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that game had a t- poor Mike. You know, he was he had to come. He's like, I'm going to Charlottesville to call Virginia Miami, and uh, you know, that's uh, a crazy thing right there. It's one of those where you're just like, who did we piss off to get overtime? We need more of this. <laughs> yeah, it's just nuts. Um, so uh, so that's the thing there uh, with all of that. So all right, so. Halloween last night, we forgot to get candy and we had work. I was putting up video. The kids aren't here. Okay. So they, they, they were at their dad's so costumes, you know, and all that. We weren't, we weren't even aware. <laughs> so I guess it'd be about four o'clock and she's like, let's go to tavern and watch Monday night football. And so I'm like, that's a good deal. Let's just go hide. Right. <laughs> and so we go up and hide. There's about six people there. Everybody's out doing whatever. Um, nobody's uh, i guess the bartenders were dressed up or whatever so we're sitting there having a good time munching on some wings and uh i forgot we have this thing called a blink doorbell security system where it, if somebody's at your doorbell you pull it up and then it's a video and it shows you that so this thing starts going off right and it's the saddest thing ever there's these little girls and boys dressed up at the door with their little pumpkins like oh Trick or treat, and then like the look on their face when nobody comes to the door. Right. I was like, oh my God. I mean, I'm sitting there like with a like a level nine guilt trip. I'm like, we should have just left some candy out. We should have just done this. Oh yeah. I, I had no I, I thought it was out of sight, out of mind. I had no idea I'd have to live that last right. night. I mean, my gosh. I was like, oh, because every 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 10 minutes, that kind of thing. So um you know, uh, I uh, I don't know. I don't know with all that. So anyway, that's uh, that was my Halloween night story. Um, I help consulting mailbag. Uh, I, and I am bro uh, response to the poll question. He says the best SEC road trips and invo- road trips involve football first environments. Nashville is the best city that happens to have an SEC team, but seeing Vandy plays nowhere near the most fun to do there. I got you. I mean, and, and look, everybody's going to have a different answer. You know, everybody's going to have a different answer. Um, Dope man comes in with all, an awesome thing. He's a Gamecock Nation. He's a positivity right now, JC. So what is the Mount Rushmore of Eric Church songs? So I saw this. Um, and, uh, we'll probably ask Jamie this tomorrow. So I have sinners like me, a lot of boot left to fill, pledge allegiance to the hag, and these boots. And it was tough, that fourth one, because I had I had a lot. You got so a that, lot of outside looking ins there, yeah. Yeah, I was like, that's uh, that's uh, there. There were a lot. There was a lot into that. So uh, a lot into that. So that's uh, that's the deal there. The Eric Church deal right there. Mm-hmm. Um, Kaki Gaming says basically the same for me, JC. Except I was taking my boy trick or treating. Lucky it was only a couple of kids, but I felt bad. Yeah, just like, and they're little kids. They're like three and four, like first, second trick or treat. <laughs> and you're just sitting there going, oh, my God. And, I mean, it's heartbreaking. And just the look on their face, like, e candy, candy. And then, like, no candy. No. And you're like, I caused this. But this is my fault. This is my fault. Create a just sitting, situation. I'm sitting there looking at my wings and my beer and the football on the TV. I'm like, this is basically paradise for me, right? <laughs> and, uh, and and I was like, hey, we, me, Nat and I took a selfie. We're like hiding out Halloween. And then all of a sudden the door thing starts going. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm a bad person. <laughs> I'm a bad- we're bad people. No, we're bad people. And I, I just totally hate it, man. 
I, I was just like, I was just like, oh God, I woke up this morning feeling bad. Uh, Craig does have some advice. Says turn off your doorbell notifications. <laughs> Mine goes off when the wind blows. It's scary sometimes, Craig, because like at night, the wind oh, will blow yeah. mm-hmm. and, and it's like someone's at your doorbell at 3 30, and you're like, oh my God. <laughs> you know, I mean, and you're like, who is that? It's just the wind. It's just so the I pushed wind. my kid to the limit last night because my youngest one is now old enough to finally like complete the circuit. And we live in a destination like Halloween zone, right? So, yeah, um, yeah, we uh, <laughs> they're about three quarters of the way through. It's like, oh, there we gotta. I'm like, no, we're gonna finish. This is the year we're gonna get done. <laughs> I'm sweating. I was like, I get rid of those calories. There's a price to be paid. <laughs> <free candy. laughs> to be paid. So, there's a price to be paid. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Austin says Monday night football at the bar over Halloween. Keep that woman close, JC. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, that sounds awesome. I think you know uh, VJ Belmont in the chat box. He says while there's no arguing that play calling has been inconsistent, players are accountable too. It's time for the players only meeting to rally back together and win anyway. I agree. Just I mean, look, nothing says they can't go win, right? Nothing yeah. says they can't go win Saturday, and then you move on to. We're on to Florida. We're on to Florida. We're on to Florida. <laughs> we're on to Florida. Um, you know, so you're on to Florida. So uh, you know, and then then you look, man. I, I'm just going to quit thinking that it. I mean, Georgia Tennessee is going to be interesting this weekend, but I'm going to quit doubting Tennessee. I'm going to just admit they're really good on defense too for what they do. Right. Um, you know what they did to Kentucky is probably. I mean, that game was at home. They have to come to williams Bryce, But, you know, South Carolina, Kentucky, Missouri, they're all kind of similar. Can't mm-hmm. score. Good, decent yeah. defense. You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. I, I just, you know, I don't – I mean, it's going to take – it's going to take something masterful for uh, for the Gamecocks to stay in it with the Vols, I think. As things stand now, now you never know what's going to happen 20 days from now. But uh, I'm just going to quit – Thinking, well, somebody's going to get Tennessee eventually. They're not that good. Well, man, I'm just going to say I'm wrong. I've been wrong all year about a lot. So, um, Carolina Titans says Vandy was more competitive than Missouri than we were. That's not a guaranteed win. Now, I've been worried Titan about this game all season. Yeah, that one you've been. <laughs> I've been like, I've been like, nah. I actually feel better about it now with the Gamecocks coming off of a loss than I yeah. probably would have after a win. And it's the same reason people were nervous about last week. He's waiting for the other shoe to drop. So, um, Brian says, Carolina and living part of life are my favorite Eric Church songs. I like Carolina quite a bit. It's North Carolina that he's singing about. So, sometimes I'm like, it doesn't necessarily make me wax nostalgic about home. But uh, I do love that song. I do love that song. Um, 76 says, thank goodness I was away at work last night. Still want some candy. Daddy-O, 3rd and Lindsley is the best place in Nashville to get a lot of local interaction. Always better where the locals go. Agreed. I used to go to Losers, uh, not downtown. It was out in the shopping mall near where I live. There was a Losers. Because <laughs> they had two bars there, Winners and Losers. It's near Vandy. It's, it's, it's a fun time uh, up there in Nashville. Um... Saunders says he's been pumping Kevin John since the preseason. Only concerns his recruiting, previous areas, and recruits page. That being said, SEC's a different animal. Uh, someone that hasn't really been at a big place, I don't know that you can 
unless they're like going and, you know, getting five-star or four-star guys to group of five schools like Tom Herman was at Houston, yeah. you know, yeah. I don't, I don't, I, I'm always like of the opinion. I don't know what kind of recruiters they are. You have to kind of check that out. Uh, but I do like his system. And uh, I think Mike Elko, who's their head coach at Duke now, he replaced Cutcliffe, made a good choice. Uh, made a good choice. Craigers never heard an Eric Church song. It's, you know, I, I, for a long time, I wasn't into Eric Church. Uh, and there's a lot of reasons for that. And then I got back, I, I, I got back in big time. I got, I'm on, I got on team Eric Church. And long before uh, I met JB uh, on, on JB and Goldwater and all that. So, uh, and yeah, I was explaining the, the, the number one road trip in the SEC article I wrote. Well, I didn't know JB from JB and Goldwater, and they saw that and called me up and said, well, we'd like to have you on the show to talk about this. And so I got on there, and it was just like the, the most fun I'd had in like months, just waxing with those guys. So I got on every week. Uh, and as we all know, uh, inside the Gamecocks, the show, you know, kind of the idea was to fill kind of the void. It, it's not identical to JB and Goldwater. Uh, if JB came back, that'd be great, you know. Uh, but it was kind of to fill the void there. And so that's kind of writing about Nashville and being a good road trip is probably the reason we're here. Crazy. Yeah. So just hope uh, the good nice. Lord doesn't strike me down and blow the computer today because of my uh, shameful uh, denial <laughs> of kids candy last night. That's I mean, right. Yeah. I'm going to have to watch my, I'm not going outside if it rains. <laughs> Uh, Steven says reading mama bells tweets makes me worry. Shane isn't listening to anyone on sat. I don't, I don't, I, I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that is that that's uh, don't assume that. Yeah. That's the wrong destination. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I get it. Those tweets are tough. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. mm -hmm. it's tough to read, tough to hear. So, um, Titan says, what y'all's take on Auburn pulling the plug on Harson? It seems those winning programs don't tolerate failure. They just the I, head coach situation. They make too, bad right? hires, dude. I yeah. mean, they, those co I mean, look, uh, Tennessee struck gold with Josh Heupel, right? I mean, and I thought looking back on that hire, and you guys know, and I'll admit it, I'll eat my words, never been a Heupel guy. Never been a Heupel guy. Okay. Uh, didn't care for what he thought. There's a reason Stoops let him go at Oklahoma. I thought there was a reason Missouri could never score against good defenses. Uh, saw UCF go from undefeated to six and four while he was there. I mean, you know, I, I just have I've never been a hypo guy and I'll admit I was wrong. Okay. <laughs> and I'll admit he's also evolved and he's got a great quarterback and you know, blah, blah, blah. The list goes on and on, but they knocked it out of the park. Uh, and I thought it was genius of them because look, if you if you're if you if you're Tennessee at that point with the probation, the uh, the ugliness of the Pruitt era, McDonald's bags, you know, uh, Fulmer getting dismissed. I mean, it, it, there was a there was another round of drama up there, right? And so if you're Danny White, their new AD, I think what he did was once some like Tony Elliott turned it down, didn't want it, uh, and I think once he that he got there, he was like, shoot, here's what I'll do, I'm going to hire Josh Heupel. And even if we don't win, we're going to score points <laughs> and, and, and keep fans in the seats, right? And that's kind of what they did last year. You know, they were high-scoring bunch but went seven and six, lost the Music City Bowl, and then it just blew up this year. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and so the winning has come with it, and I think that's great. But 
you know, I, I, I don't think it's wise. I mean, I didn't think it was the, the smartest thing in the world to fire Dan Mullen if you're Florida. No offense to Billy Napier. I mean, you, you're changing coaches yet again. The last two coaches at Florida have won the division three times and gotten fired uh, the season afterward. <laughs> Seriously. I mean. Uh, One let down season and then they're swamp, out. They, Keith calls him Swamp Donkey. Jim swamp. McElwain, yeah. the Swamp Donkey, two division titles the next year, fired. <laughs> uh, Dan Mullen uh, almost knocked off Bama and went to the playoff. Uh, in 2020, uh, next year fired. I don't think that's healthy either. You know, I understand being committed to winning, but I don't think it's healthy to to constantly have churn in your program. Um, that said, if uh, the bottom falls out and, you know, Shane Beamer has two couple losing seasons in a row, you know, <laughs> there's probably a decision to be made at Carolina. I don't see mm-hmm. that happening. I think there's too much good – with what he's done to let one mistake or one ugly part of the program. And it's getting ugly because it's a little toxic. I mean, uh, mentioned in the chat box earlier about Todd Ellis and Tommy Suggs uh, being a little critical. Uh, I didn't hear that, but uh, that's what people are saying. Uh, When those guys kind of are like raising eyebrow, you know, something's up. Oh, play calling. (laughs) Touchdown Carolina. Touchdown Marcus Satterfield's play sheet. (laughs) <laughs> Pour some sugar on me. <laughs> Red China Johnny Red. All right, anyway. Yeah. I, I, I text Phil <laughs> one, one from uh, We Didn't Start the Fire. All right, we got to get to a break because we got Sawyer next. And my mouse on my computer, I'm getting a little notification here. I need to connect it to USB to charge. I need the mouse for the show. All right, so we're going to take a break. I'm going to go get a mouse um, or a, a cord for this, and then we're going to get Sawyer Nix in here. The mental edge on a Tuesday inside the Gamecocks' show. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope's State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope's State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast, 
check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Sydney Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of REMAX at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at REMAX.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at REMAX.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Yep, time to get back to the show. Shoot. All right, my man. Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show, everybody. First hour of the show is brought to you by Cindy Searfoss at Colwell Banker Kane Realty. Give Cindy a call for all your upstate residential real estate needs, 864-414-5271. And as always on Tuesday, we are joined by Sawyer Nix on the McKellar Enterprises guest line. Sawyer, uh, did you have a good Halloween last night? Uh, it was okay. I ended up staying at home, having a few kids come over to the house, and we uh, gave away part of what my son got the night before and then Friday night at school. So we didn't even have to <laughs> buy candy to give away. It's like, hey, let's, you got so much, let's give out your bucket. Nice. So that's well, a pretty, pretty good strategy. Good. Yeah, I may have to implement that next year. Go to a trunk or treat or two, you know, before the yes. day, and then you don't have to yep. buy any. <laughs> Genius. I, I'll have guilt for the rest of my life about what happened last night. I just, uh, just <laughs> letting you know, I'm, I, 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 we hid from the kids and the, uh, the ring doorbell got us or blink or whatever we have. And so I'm sitting there, we're out and I'm looking at sad kids come to my door, <laughs> ring the doorbell, nobody there, sad, no candy. And I felt awful. 
it happened 10 times. I mean, I, I'll never, I, I'll never get over it ever. Well, I, I think there's something sadder as a kid. My grandmother had a neighbor. She gave away raisin, the many boxes of raisins. That's more disappointing than going to a house and not getting anything. I think it's actually getting something and finding out, oh, no, what is this? Yeah, well, all along the route, I get handed bags of pretzels. <laughs> yeah. I, I like pretzels and the little the mini bags too, of yeah. Doritos and potato chips. I, I'll sneak those away, I mean, Cheetos mm -hmm. especially. Don't get me around Cheetos. I I could probably stand to not eat as many Cheetos these days. But uh, look, all right, Sawyer. So obviously deflating loss on Saturday. Um, I was there. Yeah, it was pretty awful. And then a lot of lot of things that I think have been a little bit, I don't know, unfortunate, but leaky on social media from players, players' parents. You know, I, I don't want to say this is a toxic situation right now. Uh, I will say I think it looks like a situation that's coming to a head um, with the offensive coordinator. You know, how, if you're a player, do you block that out? Uh, because, look, man, there's still four games to play. And right. uh, they don't beat Vandy this weekend. The wheels are coming off, okay? Uh, you got to go win that game. I mean, and then go try to win another one. You know, I mean, go yeah. win that game. Get bowl eligible. Let the chips fall where they may. But uh, – after what happened Saturday, a lot of frustration, a lot of hurt, a lot of anger, some finger pointing publicly. I don't think internally that much, but, uh, you know, just looking at some social media stuff from players and parents and, and all that, there, there are some unhappy people. So how do you stay focused, go to Nashville and try to win a football game? Well, I think part is, ignore, you know, acknowledging, not ignoring. I think some people are like, ignore this, ignore that. I think um, if you hear Coach Beamer in several of his press conferences, you know, as he talked about Kentucky, he's like, yeah, I acknowledge we have not beaten them. I acknowledge what the coach said. You know, obviously he said that after the press conference. But to the team, you know, it's acknowledging, yeah, we're in a rough spot. I don't think you can pretend that things are, are great. If you're within the building uh, team or staff, you know, players or staff, acknowledging, yes, this was a missed opportunity, but here's why. Here's the play where somebody missed the assignment. Here's a play where somebody missed the block, missed the tackle, uh, over-pursued, didn't set the edge. And so that's where the coaches and players go back to those smaller details of, yeah, th this was overall, it was a bad experience, but why was it a bad experience? Well, yes, the refs hosed this on a call. But we have to overcome that. We can't let that become a domino effect, a cumulative effect, and lead to another thing and another thing and another thing and another thing. We, we got to get a grip on each individual play and doing our best and doing our best assignment. I saw a good quote from uh, Luke Doty that appeared on Twitter. was, lock, lock the doors and ignore the noise. And I think that's what the message is from the staff. Uh, I think – I don't remember who wrote it. Um, maybe it was Coach Beamer at his press conference on Sunday evening said people were not shaking hands and high-fiving after the one and two start. You know, things were not looking that great. Things were kind of, okay, we got boat raced at Georgia. You know, that wasn't even close. So do you flush the season down then? No. Well, all of a sudden, five and two – and then everybody's, oh, great, you're doing great. You're going to have a great year. And then all of a sudden, back off. 
So his message to the team is, look, there's people when you're doing good, when you're winning, people are going to be all over you, tell you how great you are, tell you how much you're loved, tell you how many opportunities you're going to have, all these things. But when things are not going well, they're certainly going to to point fingers and look down. And his message is regardless of where we were and where we're at, we have to keep moving forward. Keep looking at our own individual responsibilities within the team and focus most on that more so than any other any other noise that's out there or any other uh, cracks in the foundation, I guess I'll say. Yeah, and, and look, I, I I get where Beamer's coming from about the circle being smaller and, and stuff like that. And then, you know, how – and look, I, I deal with the good people here that listen to this podcast and participate in the chat and the emails, and, and I'll, I deal with thebigspur.com. Uh, that's 98% of my interaction with Gamecock fans, like, interaction. Uh, but I, I part of my job, too, is to, like – kind of see what the pulse is on social media. Um, and, and so at first I was like, well, you know, cause those, these folks here and on the website, uh, they, they represent sort of the diehard uh, informed, if you will, portion of the fan base. And then there's like, you know, that's like 10, 15% of the total fan base. Uh, and, you know, so at first I was like, well, well, the people I deal with, it they're just mad at Marcus Satterfield. They're not mad at the players. They don't blame the players at all. Nobody's blaming the players, I think, with a brain, uh, you know, out there. Uh, and so at first I was like, well, come on, man. I mean, Sat's taking heat, but the players aren't. Everybody still loves the players and all the other coaches, you know, for that matter. Uh, you know, everybody knows why they lost that game. And so, you know, that was my initial reaction. Well, then I got on Twitter and I saw there's just people, and I don't even know if they're Gamecock fans or just trolls or whatever that really do blast players, which is unfortunate and sad in a lot of ways, you know, sending these tweets, these guys and stuff, these college kids, whatever. I think it's okay to have an opinion and be critical of the play, but some of it gets really personal. When you call a player garbage or trash, you Mm -hmm. know, you're an idiot. You know, I right. mean, I mean, and you and you would never do that to his face, but anonymously <laughs> on Twitter. Yeah. I mean, come on. That doesn't take a big, big old man to do that. Right. So uh, I do see what he's talking about. So I wanted to explain that. Um, so, you know, obviously you're Marshawn Lloyd. You missed half the game. Uh, it's not a serious injury. He's going to be back. Um and it looked like, honestly, just from a football standpoint, had he stayed in the game, we may be talking about a different outcome. I think we still have the same criticisms. Uh, but he looked like he was doing a lot on his own <laughs> out there yeah. Saturday. So you don't know what would have happened had he stayed in and gotten the ball more. I think Carolina can be competitive down the stretch and win their share of games as long as he's healthy. Um, but it's come to that. It's it's come to, hey, this this offense is on Marshawn Lloyd. Uh I think he's poised to handle it well, but is is there a uh, added pressure, uh, or, or when it just comes to that, and then that becomes the reality that, hey, Ed, the offense is going to go as you go, so you know you may as well you have to have a great game for us to have a chance to win. I mean, I think he relishes that opportunity, especially a player that wants to get to the next level. They want, yes, give me the ball. I want the ball in my hands. I want to prove time and time again that despite. Uh, less than seller play calling, less than seller blocking that I make something out of nothing. Um, and that that's a big uh, 
a place of pride for for Marshawn, and I think that drives him and, and gets him going. And I think that is that is a big piece of the offense going forward. And I believe that it will be a motivating factor for him. And I don't think it's it's going to be a hindrance. I think he's a player that that desires that, that wants that. Uh, at least from what I've seen and heard from him so far. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm very impressed with him. Yeah. Phil? Yeah, it really is. So looking ahead, you know, you're moving forward, right? And I think that, and JC, you alluded to this earlier, is that uh, you feel a bit more confident about the Vanderbilt game than, say, we did, you know, a couple of weeks ago being a trap game and things like that. I think that goes, I think that speaks directly to the ability of the team to handle adversity and then come right. back from that where we were having a hard time handling success. Um, how do you, in a player's mind, kind of balance those two things? So you're like adversity, success. Does it have to be a roller coaster? Or is there is there a, a midline that you want to reach? I mean, I know we all kind of do that in our own lives and, and try to find the, you know, something to smooth out the hills. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think again, they're trying to focus on individual plays, individual assignments. Um, and some people, and maybe JC, I think you perhaps wrote a little bit about this that there's some response that they didn't handle uh, success well after the, yeah. the A&M game. And, that, and that, was, that was Keith. Keith said that yesterday. Okay. Yeah. And, and I don't know that I – I don't know that I agree with that. That I wouldn't say there's evidence that saying, no, that's wrong. But also at the same time, I think there's some transitive property there. Well, this happened, so it has to mean this. Well, just because they were doing well and then they lost, that doesn't necessarily mean – that they didn't handle success. I, I didn't see it as much as that as they came out flat. You know, one of the things I was looking for as the game went on, I was looking for a player to stand up, get a personal foul, you know, fight back. There was some, you know, chippiness going on throughout the game. And I wanted to see some more energy, some, some hard hits, some taking some guys' heads off, you know, not egregious, not just careless, but, I want to see some counter punches thrown, and I, I just didn't see any of that. Um, but I, I don't know that I would say that they didn't handle success well. Um, obviously, they haven't been in this position before. Uh, but I think it's also hard to say that you know their success was built on, again, in my estimation, winning ugly. And that meant winning despite the offensive deficiencies. And I think it's going to be a limp to the finish for the Gamecocks. It's going to be despite – these deficiencies how can they continue to win and overcome and persevere and again that's i think the coaches that's their message is you know despite us not again reaching our expectations of how the offense should look or what it should be we can still have success we can still do our individual assignments and we can still do our best despite the fact that things are not going as well as we hope them to. That doesn't mean that we can't win. We can continue to win. The defense can continue to have good games, and they've had several great games, and even when the offense hasn't played well. Unfortunately, it fell on a game where the defense did not look good from what I was watching. And I know the stats in the second half showed a little bit of improvement, but there were still times where I felt like it, it was second and three the whole game. You know, there were very few – second and tens, third and tens, um, er- everything was – every time they touched the ball, four yard, five yards, game. 
you know, pretty much consistently through the game. And then all of a sudden a pass over the top, um, guys out of position. And so I, I think it will be, how do we, how does every individual player do their absolute best and focus on their individual assignments moving forward and be resilient and continue plugging away, ignoring the noise, keeping the circle small and just limp to the finish. I think that will be, that will be a key. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I so agree. Ahead, um, are we, uh, are we doing a giveaway this week? Yes. Yeah, so for Friday, yeah. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll I meant to, to mention uh, that. Can I get this written down? So I will decide, or I will have to collaborate with, uh, perhaps the two of you on, on what exactly we're going to do. But I was thinking a slightly bigger giveaway than what we've done before. So, uh, perhaps a couple of items, but the giveaway would include the score prediction on Friday. So this would be through uh, Twitter is kind of platform that I use. Um, so that way the folks that don't listen or watch live can be involved the rest of the week. So they can go ahead and get their prediction today, tomorrow through the rest of the week. So the rules would kind of be like score prediction, obviously your name, you have to follow the show. So you have to follow the show. You have to follow me and you have to tag a friend or add someone else. Cool. And the person with the, the closest score would win the prize. Closest score. All right. Yeah. And some, nice. a, few, if a few people nail it. We'll like, just do a then we'll just throw their Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then we'll throw their names in a hat and then we'll draw out of that. Nice. That sounds good. Well, we appreciate it, Sawyer. It's always great to talk to you and get your your perspective. And uh, we're going to get on that uh, giveaway, and uh, hopefully, we get some good score predictions. I I, I'm curious to see what the score predictions are going to be this week because I I I think there's a you talk about drawing stuff out of a hat. I think you could draw like a lot of random scores out of a hat and probably come up with what we're going to get because I people are probably so focused on like potential changes and things like that, that they're, they're not even kind of looking at the game right now. Uh, hopefully that changes. Cause like, like we said earlier, like Bill at Belichick, we're on to Vanderbilt. We're on to Vanderbilt. We're on to right. Vanderbilt. <laughs> I, I don't right. know. My initial thoughts are, are a lower scoring game. It's going to be kind of a ugly defensive slugfest, but maybe, maybe there's a week we get some wrinkles. Um, I haven't been looking for uh, a Rattler, show out game i think jc's kind of he was hoping for that i i haven't been hoping for i say i haven't been hoping for that i haven't been anticipating that um based on what i've seen and so i i just hope again i hope my goal is get through vanderbilt you know have a chance at florida you know don't embarrass yourself versus tennessee or clemson get to a bowl game make the adjustments to the offensive foundation and then you know, as far as a program, that, that's kind of my goals, is don't make a mess of the next two weeks. Um, you're not going to overchange. You're not going to do wholesale changes at this point in the season. It's not going to happen. But what can they do, even with the limitations that they have, how can they just, again, it sounds like a bad thing, but how can they win, win ugly? Uh, and that's, again, that's my mantra a couple of weeks ago, and I'm sticking with it. How can they keep pressing forward, being resilient, um, and if it's a low scoring, ugly game, so be it. As long as they win, that's right. Just no win. doubt. As long as they win. All right, Sawyer, we certainly appreciate it. And we'll talk to you next week, bud. Yeah. See you then. Thanks. Yes, sir. Thank you. 
All right, so when we're going to start this prediction giveaway with Sawyer tomorrow because there, there's rules, and uh, we're going to get those rules kind of down cold, and we'll start. And then the we'll tweet it out. Yeah, yeah, tomorrow. And, yeah, and yeah, give him, yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah, wants yeah. a couple of days. We'll give him Wednesday, Thursday, and then a, a nice giveaway there. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you got to be resilient. I, I think, you know, Derek Moore always says this, and he said it a long time ago, and uh, – I believe him. Football is an allegory of life. <laughs> mm-hmm. And in life, you know, bad things happen. We all know that. We can't avoid it. You know, nobody lives a charmed life without any negativity. I mean, we know the world we live in. It's not about what happens. It's how you respond. And that's the same thing in football. And yeah. that's what I think was kind of disappointing about the game Saturday is bad things happened early and the Gamecocks response was found wanting, I guess <laughs> they got, they didn't respond. They got back within seven and then it just, it all fell apart. And that's kind of, I think what this offense ha- has done. I mean, if, if you really look through every game, there's about two touchdowns, right? Two scoring drives a game, you know, and yeah. it's been that way for 21 games. Uh, you know, and there's some that's not, but that, that, that hadn't been that way. I mean, uh, you know, there's been games where there's been a lot of scoring drives, but, you know, even North Carolina and Florida last year, a lot of field goals in those games, you know. So touchdown drives have been at a premium. Touchdown drives, when the game is in doubt, the last 21 games, even more of a premium. Yep. You know, the garbage touchdowns and stuff like that, you know, they count, you know, but – when the game's on the line, it's 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 about two touchdown drives a game. It's sad, but um, that's just kind of where it's at, folks. And uh, I, I think that you know, I I think a lot of Shane Beamer as a head coach. I, I think some of the the stuff out there about him this week and the overt criticism and the personal attacks on him about his friendship with Marcus Satterfield and you know how he's not you know. I mean, the gaslighting thing, okay, I get it. I, I, I will give a plausible path to, you know, not insanity with that. <laughs> but, um, you know, I uh, uh, the rest of it, you know, Shane's not – he's scared to do the – no, he's not. He's not. I mean, and that, that's just that's just people trying to justify something they don't like and, and place outsized blame. Um, Shane Beamer, uh, you know, is not – a uh, blind person. <laughs> okay. He's not uh, a person that doesn't have a clue about what's going on. He, he, he's a guy that, uh, you know, uh, I, I think he had his reasons for maintaining the status quo last year. There's something to be said. Like I said, that would have been four coordinators in four years for these guys, you know, and uh, look, it backfired. Let's not get that wrong. <laughs> you know, it, yeah. it backfired a bit, but um it did not work out like you thought it would. There was not. rational thought behind it, though. I'm just I'm just saying it just wasn't like, oh well, you know, look at this bowl game and he's my buddy, and you know, like like the hangover, we're the very best friends a guy I'd ever have. And you know, I mean, um what character would Sat be in the hangover? <laughs> I don't know. I, I got to think on that for a minute. I got to think on either. that. I got to think on that. But um, 
Look, he's, uh, yeah, the, the one that's on the hotel roof. <laughs> yeah, that guy. <laughs> yeah. We got to get, we left sat on the top of the Caesars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The guy that, the guy that you're searching for the entire time. Man, I got, I got to come up with something on that one. I got to come up with something on that one. But no, it's, it's not like that. You know, I mean, everybody that brings that up is a friend in the wedding, whatever. This is a professional situation. Uh, him keeping Satterfield last year had little to do with his personal relationship with him. And I mean, I've explained that I've said, look, four coordinators in four years, four quarterbacks last year, let's roll. I get it. Did I agree with it? No. Cause I thought this offense was a donkey from about the East Carolina game on last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I sat there and, and, and gave it a chance and gave it a chance. Well, they got better players and they do, they got really good players. Uh, enough players to be better than two touchdowns a game, two touchdown drives a game on average, regardless, you know, with the exception of Charlotte and South Carolina State. Even Troy, they're uh, Troy and East Carolina last year, two touchdowns, two touchdown drives. It's like you're limited. Would you like to take your touchdowns now or later? Because you're only getting two. It's, it's like rationed, you know, but and it's um, nuts to think that he would put his dream job on the line, you know by maintaining this position in the, into the next off season. Right. No, I mean, there's, no way. That. there's no way he's <laughs> going to sit there and live with this dude. I mean, because you can't have it both ways. You, you can't sit there and talk about how you got really good NFL players and talent. And then two touchdowns a game, two. less than 200 yards. You know, we, got, you know, that's, that's the company line. We got a lot of great playmakers on this team. Well, you, that adds up to 186 yards for the last play against a team that's three and four. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. You know, and, and I don't want to take anything away from Missouri. I thought they played a masterful game and had a group, had a game plan, a winning game plan on both sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's not sitting there looking at that. I mean, that would mean Shane Beamer would be completely detached from reality. Okay. And no matter what he says to the media, that does make it seem that way. I can guarantee you that what behind the scenes, it's different. He, he knows what he's doing. Um, and, and look, give him a shot. He's the guy's in his second year. The, the good far outweighs the bad. It's frustrating to watch bad offense. Carolina's had bad offense for a while. <laughs> um, you know, even, even some of their better teams under Holtz and Spurrier were not all that great on. They didn't go up and down the field. Um, and certainly during the Muschamp era, they didn't. And certainly the first two years, they haven't. But, uh, you know, you can't really blame him for what happened here before. Yeah. You know, I all mean, you can do is he's got to be accountable uh, for everything in the program. Uh, I, I think probably we'll look back on this season and go, Gamecocks left a lot on the table that year because of the offense. Uh, Could have won more. Uh, but, hey, that's football and that happens. And what you do is you keep recruiting, you go fix it, and you move forward. That's what good head coaches do. Yeah. Bad head coaches – you know, make horrible decisions, you know, over and over and over again. And, and you know, they don't, you know, they, they, if you look through the years here, <laughs> uh, those that have gotten fired have been the ones that can't get coordinators right. Uh, and, and that make like when, it, when, it, when it's on the line, they make a horrible decision. Uh, you know, like Brad Scott hiring Chuck Reedy at the end. That was not that was everybody they're like wait a minute 
your, your defense is god awful, Brad. Uh, your offense has been okay. You go up, go up and down the field. You got Anthony Wright coming back. You know, you um, it's nineteen ninety eight, right? You know, and hey, you're only five and six last year, and Wright got hurt, and you're five and three before that. But your defense sucks badly, donkey. Uh, you need to fire Wally Burnham. And uh, we'll go, you know, Mike McGee was like, we'll give you a, a blank check to go hire whoever you want. Best defensive coordinator you can find. <laughs> Brad's answer was, well, no, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep Wally <laughs> and I'm going to hire Chuck Reedy and we're going to run an offense from 1983 <laughs> and, and run the clock out. Yeah. So our yeah. defense won't give up that many points. <laughs> I know. Next thing you know, he's one in ten fired. You know, <laughs> Lou Holtz when he came in, zero and eleven that first year. There were a lot of lot of issues with that team, injuries. They weren't playing together, or whatever. But Holtz tried to run his offense from Notre Dame again. Nineteen ninety three called. They won't get their <laughs> offense back. The next year, they they flip to the spread with Skip, and everything's happy go lucky until Corey Jenkins is the quarterback. I love the way he played, by the way. And lose like he starts to have like Tony Rice flashbacks, you know? <laughs> and he's like, hey, I'm just gonna run the offense right now and take it away from Skip. We're gonna run the option. And, oh my God. You know, and then he saw what happened, two straight five and seven. So you know, and we, we don't need to rehash the must champ era. <laughs> um and, and so throughout the history of this program, you know, these coordinator hires matter. And uh uh, I, I don't think anybody's ever perfect. Spurrier ran through a lot of D coordinators, <laughs> both at Florida and here. Um, you know, I, I, I do think that at this point, if you're Shane Beamer and you do make a change, and again, like I said, he's not blind. Um, you know, you, you have a chance to really go get, uh, do something big because you, you've got the other, if you can fix the offense, and you can continue to play on special teams and defense, which that's becoming a fabric of this program, you know, the DNA of the program. You're not always going to get turnovers. Not always going to get special teams plays like that, Phil. But they get them more often than not, okay? Right. You plug an offense in there that can go score, and you keep recruiting and all that, you know, teams that can play that well in all three phases tend to, to compete at the highest level in the sport. And so there's the optimism. Because there's a, this is this is a fix. This is one, a one situation fix. Now it's going to be interesting to see how it gets fixed. You know, one way or the other. But um, you look at the what they're doing with the other aspects of the program, and, and you kind of feel like, well, this is the missing link. Uh, and when all three phases are working well, I mean that that's that's going to be a team that's going to you know you're not going to want to play uh, against South Carolina. All right, we got to get to the break. Uh, Craiger does add that Doritos have 47 ingredients. Thank you, Craiger. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're going to be living in the Nana's Porch chat box in the second hour. Uh, thanks to Sawyer Nicks again for the mental edge. But we'll be right back. Want to catch up on your chatterboxer messages <laughs> and uh, talk about some other things. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Second hour inside the Gamecocks, the show coming up after these messages. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. 
Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a diehard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email ccerfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Sydney Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, Do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) I'm getting all that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Hey, folks. JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, Don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. Go there. Food, truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, Take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. What's up? This is Jaheim Bell with the Gamecocks, and you're now listening to Inside the Gamecocks Show with JC and Phil. 
Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show, everybody. J.C. Sherbert, Phil Mullinax here with you. The second hour of the show is brought to you by the Burgesson team at Remax at the Lake. Give Adam or Derek Burgesson a call or shoot them an email at a Burgesson. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N for all of your commercial or investment real estate needs. So, J.C., I'm thinking about this, you know, whole Satterfield situation. Obviously, a change needs to be made, right? Mm -hmm. But here we are. You chose to drive the family truckster off the lot, right? Yes. You can't change it until after the trip to Wally World's over. Because you didn't bring another damn car with you. You don't have another one. <laughs> I love that, Phil. In fact, uh, that's that's got to go. That's got to go on in the, in the on the archives. Send me that video after we get done at the top of the second hour. That well, is epic. Like St. Louis, and you lost all your damn tires and the <laughs> and everything. Oh, you just got back, you know. Then Missouri drove it through the desert, <laughs> wrecked the hell out of it. <laughs> Drug a poor dog, that poor old lady's dog, and then he had her grandma up on top of the car. And yeah, yeah. Blah, I mean, blah, you know, blah. that's it. Man. <laughs> well, that's true. Cousin, cousin Eddie, that's where we're coming back from. We just visited. Yeah, yeah, Missouri is definitely a yeah. visit to Cousin Eddie's. There's no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> Arkansas would be St. Louis. Yeah. <laughs> A&M would be like when Chevy Chase and the, it was blowing kisses of that uh, Brooke Shields or whoever. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, anyway, the hot chick in the car. Yeah. Hot chick in the pool. <laughs> um, 76 says, I just want clear acknowledgement about how bad things are offensively and they see, see accountability on that side of the ball. Yeah, well, internally they have accountability. I, you know, I mean, Shane Beamer has said in press conferences, it's not good enough. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, it's, it's going to be hard for a coach to go. See, this is another, like, it's been interesting around here because the, the last two coaches, Spurrier and Muschamp, have had such an impact on, on people, on thinking. And I don't I don't blame you. I mean, because Steve Spurrier, he'd just straight up tell it like it was in press conferences, right? And then Muschamp was the opposite direction, although he would say a lot of uh, nifty football verbiage that those of us that like that kind of stuff would like. I mean, I, I thought Will's press conferences were fine. Nobody, but he, he really never said much, you know. Uh, and then you get to Beamer, which is, you know, keep it positive at all costs, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and and so because of mu the Muschamp situation uh, and because of how Spurrier would just sort of like tell it like it is, I think there's a not an unreasonable level of expectation, but an expectation around here that, you know, you know, that being, I guess, brutally upfront and, and quirky with the media uh, is somehow related to winning. It's not, you know, I mean, who did we impersonate at the top of the show? Bill Belichick. Have you ever seen one of his press conferences? Yeah, uh, are you getting anything out of him? No, we're on the Cincinnati. <laughs> we're, we're on the Cincinnati. We're on the Cincinnati. Um, and it's kind of cool though, because with Belichick, if if one of their writers ask him like a, a football question, he'll pipe up and answer it, and it's you're like that guy's a genius. <laughs> but like these normal, like how do you feel about the game? Is like we feel like we're going to play a football game, <laughs> uh, you know. And he's he's one of the he's one of the goat coaches of all time. Not doing too yeah. well now, but uh, 
I don't think anybody would argue Bill Belichick can't coach. So there's just a little thing. And I, but I, I also understand the, the the gaslighting frustration part of it, you know. So that's uh the deal there. Craiger asked we had a 60 yard touchdown this year. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um game two. <laughs> uh what was that? What was the one to use? 64? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, 64. You, you ever seen them? How many times they've really gone downfield like that across the middle of the juice since then? You know, it's, it's just inconsistent. It's so inconsistent. It's frustrating, y'all. We, yeah, I know. <laughs> Christian says no South Carolina fan would have ever guessed a five and seven season no bowl, but sadly, that's where we're at. If you lose this weekend, absolutely, you're staring that in the face. Yep. Yeah. You you dropped this game on Saturday, and this and that this just can't happen. South Carolina is better than Vanderbilt, man. I know Vanderbilt's going to be all fine. Oh, they almost won last year. Don't get me wrong; they're not be scared. Um, there's a big crowd going up there, uh, from what I can tell. Uh, My buddies are going. My the Kentucky crew. Uh, and so I mean, I look. I, I I don't think there's any reason why you don't get out of there with a win. Um, you know, especially with Lloyd back. I mean, you could follow the same recipe, run the ball with Lloyd, you know, and throw. And like I said, Vandy's got the worst pass defense in the league. Yeah. You know, I, I'm a little bit more concerned about guys like Jaden McGowan and, and uh, their other receiver on offense. Their freshman quarterback's pretty good. Then they got the dual threat guy. I'm a little more concerned about their offense than their defense, to be honest. But, you know, there's been bad defenses Carolina's played against before. And, Again, you only get two touchdowns. When would you like them? Yeah, that's right. You know, um, you even have them now or later. DJ says, How would it benefit the fan base or players' attitudes right now? Beamer says, Our off OC and play calling stink and we will make changes. None. Uh, the fans would rejoice, but I mean, you know, you, like I said, you got four games left. You're kind of in a situation where, you know, you just got to kind of, like, like Phil said, you got to keep driving the family truckster. There's no other car. You know, keep keep rolling with the truckster. Uh, Christian says he doesn't have to say anything, but he does have to make changes. Make no changes and tell us you're fine losing out and sucking on out. Um, are you mean like mid-season changes? Nah, you can't. You got to drive the family truckster. Uh, changes may involve, you know, game planning and stuff. I mean, you get other people involved with that, so... Um, Kyra Carolina Titans like Beamer is quick to downplay the product on the field, knock the fans with the whole doom and gloom and bad losses, but begs the fans to support enough of the coach speak time for accountability. Yeah. I mean, look, Shane, he's a person that like thrives on positive energy. You know, he's, he's the guy that, you know, somebody's having a case of the Mondays in the office. He's probably going to tell them somebody (laughs) said somebody's having a case of the Mondays, you know, And, 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 and all that, and and it, I, I think it's just because he cares, and he wants to win, and, and he wants everybody to believe. Uh, and I, and I think he's still got a large portion of the fan base believing. I think obviously, I think this is an isolated type of. It's one part of one thing that they do, um, and it needs to be fixed. Obviously, it's like the family truckster doesn't have a tire on one of the wheels. You know, you, you gotta. Your axles are warped, but Your it's axles still are warped, man. You, you got to have a whole new chassis. But you know, the good news is the rest of the car is in tip-top shape. So, um, you know, uh, there we go through that. Lose blah blah blah. Um, 
let's remember we're a bounce back team and remain positive. VJ says. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, and you said it. I mean, this team knows how to deal with adversity. We've seen that. So, I mean, yeah. I'm. It's not unreasonable to think that we roll up into Nashville and roll out with a win. No, not at all. I mean, I, I think they have to. I mean, it, it's this game Saturday is the season because this you, you win this one, even if you lose the last three, you're still going bowling. Second straight mm-hmm. year, rally the troops, go recruit, go win the bowl. I mean, heck, how many seven win seasons did Spurrier have in a row? I mean, it's disappointing because I feel like they left some wins on the table. Uh, especially last weekend, you know. I mean, they would have kind of be on schedule had they won last weekend. Um, and the Florida game later, uh, I think that's winnable. But is it winnable with this offense? Probably not, you know. Um, so that's a shame. And, and it's always a shame when you don't maximize. Um, but, you know, there's a bigger picture here. Uh, and, and I don't think you throw – everything out or, or want to throw everything out or make it so bad that you, that's the narrative. Oh, you just got to get rid of the head coach, you know, right mm-hmm. now, I think you need to give him a chance to fix it um, and fix it on his time. You know, uh, Adam says, if we don't score a touchdown on special teams or defense, we don't have a chance. Well, uh, you didn't have a defense. They didn't actually have a defensive or special team score at Kentucky. In fact, the special teams block kick <laughs> equaled no points. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. uh, and they did have a day. I mean, you could you could probably say that they did have a defensive score, even though it was not. I mean, it was a the first play they got the fumble. Tonka took it down to the two, and then Marshawn ran it in the end zone. Mm-hmm. So, so that's fair. But I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think at some point, you know, that may be end up being correct. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but uh, you know, I, I think the idea is just to play better. You know, I mean, Vandy's not. Missouri on defense. Um, RB says, thing is, I think firing sat now increases the confidence of this team. We have a GA who's a former OC. Let him call plays. Can't get any worse. Nah, see that, but see, that's not what the read is inside RB. I mean, you're speaking for like what the players are feeling internally. Uh, overall, 100 guys. Uh, and that's just not what the feeling is down there. Although there are some frustrated people. Craiger says 24-16 Cox. Uh, Adam says, what do y'all think of Graham Harrell, the OC at West Virginia? Keith likes him a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Southern Cal. Obviously, we all know who Graham Harrell is. He was uh, the quarterback for Mike Leach at Texas Tech back in the day. So that's um, – I shoot, you can get uh, Graham Harrell in there. <laughs> do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Gamecock fans says, with all the craziness going on, how do we stand with Harbor? South Carolina's still in the pole position. Uh, NIL is a big factor here with the Park Avenue deal and all that. Um, they're still right there. Uh, you know, I don't think it's a – I don't think any – I think this is very much the South Carolina offensive coordinator situation is very much a, an internal Gamecock land uh, deal. Uh, it doesn't register nationally. It doesn't register with recruits. <laughs> it's just basically fans, Beamer, Satterfield, uh, you know, all that good stuff. Christian says, well, I thought so too, JC, but him not doing anything with the offense or saying anything makes me believe he just doesn't know. Well, doing anything, I mean, I, I think they, they continue to try to do stuff. I don't, don't necessarily think it's 
uh, I'm like, will it work? Who knows? I mean, they tinker with it and stuff. They've tinkered with it for, you know, the whole season. Um, yeah. They've tried to get, tried to get it better. Uh, saying something, I mean, you know, it's a judgment call. What's that going to solve? You know, if you do, if you do it publicly now, if he's not saying anything internally, different story, but that's not, that's yeah. not what the case is. That's not what's happening. You know, I, and I've, yeah, I'm not trying to be Sammy McSorcerson here, you know, with old sources say this. No, but I'm saying I I know that, that that's yeah. not he's not like going to in the coaches' meetings and be like, oh man, we're close, guys. Shoot. Yeah, we're almost there, Seth. Yeah. You know, we're almost there, buddy. You know, hey, hey guys. He's passing out candy and you know. Yeah, but I mean, it's like an iceberg. What you're seeing and hearing from Shane is just the piece that's above the waterline. There is a massive amount of ice under it that you have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Uh, RB says detached from reality is a delay of game coming out of a timeout at home. Things are not okay. Nobody's saying they are, RB. No. (laughs) I mean, who's uh, nobody's sitting here going, hey. And you can tell Shane's frustrated. That's the one thing. He's letting that frustration come through. He's just not, you know, losing his crap in these press conferences being like, this guy's a loser and all that. Because what message does that send? You know? I mean, you know, we all know that there are problems. So if we can see it, obviously he can see it. (laughs) And and we only end up to think that he's not going to make a change. He may not do it on your time. But yeah, that's, that's what, what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. A, a delay a game coming out of a timeout at home is awful. Yeah, it's a terrible uh, look. It was, yeah, I mean, look, I was so frustrated, I almost <laughs> threw something would, at my TV. <laughs> I would look, I, and I'd forget, I, I Spurrier's era had some interesting delay penalties and timeouts and stuff like that. Uh, Spurrier just called back, he'd call three straight timeouts if he had to. Yeah, uh, but you forgive him for that because you know why he's Steve Spurrier and. He's, he's got a track record, you know, and, and that's the whole thing about trying to force your players into learning a scheme and not playing guys because they don't know it and all that good stuff. Yeah, Spurrier Jr. used to do that. A lot of great athletes came to South Carolina to play receiver and just could not, you know, because receiver is the hardest position to play in that offense because you're, you're running option routes every play, you know. So the receiver has to actually read the defense. You know, and it's like, okay, okay, so I'm, I'm running my route. Oh, it's cover two. I'm going to go here. Or cover three. I'm going to go there. That's the, that's what makes that the fun and gun click. Mm-hmm. And it's a thing of beauty when it does, man. <laughs> yeah. And, and you you never walk away from that going, where are the slants and and, and, and outs? And not, yeah, they're all there. It's beautiful. Yeah, uh, you've seen that, a little bit of everything. Yeah, that's that's why <laughs> that's why when you when Spurred get in a zone, you just his teams would just go right down the field because. It, you know, the, the defensive backs are just confused because they don't, they're like, well, we're playing cover three and then they run this. And but well, now we're doing this and we're doing that. Um, press man coverage and lots of zone blitzes derailed that thing, could derail that thing. But man, it, it <laughs> uh, he, uh, he was great, but that's what made it great. But so, so, yeah, so there's been guys that, that have not played here that have been good athletes that because they couldn't get the offense down in the past. And, and Look, when you're running the one of the most terrifying offensive systems, theoretically, <laughs> I don't know that I ever call the Gamecocks offense terrifying when he was here, but uh, it was really good and fun to watch. Um, th- then you can do that. 
But when you're running a system that nobody can really even define it, that doesn't have an identity, that changes week to week, that's whole complicated and all that, and it's never worked through 21 games, maybe it's you. <laughs> you know, I mean, maybe you know, maybe it's, it's not these guys. <laughs> Ryan says, you. would you take Will Healy as OC? Never's called plays. I don't think. Maybe had the the, the, the title at one point. Um my friend's tickets that I use, Craiger says, says he's put spent $7,000 before he even puts gas to go in the car to go to a game. When people say that pay that much, you have to give them a better product, period. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. But, you know, uh, South Carolina fans don't give any more money than Auburn fans or, you know, it's the SEC. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I agree with you. You need to uh, – you know, that, that's that's why the Josh Heupel hire, thinking back on it, what, what, as much as I didn't agree with it, it was a genius because, you know what, you're going to automatically put a more fun product to watch on the field when you go from the rock-throwing contest that Jeremy Pruitt did, you know, implemented it at Tennessee, uh, to uh, something like that that's a lot of fun. And, you know, that's cool. Maybe he says, my dream hire for OC is Dan Mullen. Uh, Ryan says Mullen will be the next head coach at Georgia Tech. Oh, I think that would be a tremendous hire for Georgia. That Tech. would be that would really be interesting. Dude, be he would, he's bringing that thing back. I mean, it may take a couple of years, but Dan Mullen, mm-hmm. look, you know, if you notice, everybody got on him for recruiting and stuff, but he recruited a lot of good players to Florida. They just weren't all rated high, you know. Um, VJ says, who is TCU's offensive coordinator? That would be Garrett Riley. Garrett Lincoln's Riley. Brother. Um, and but that's also Sonny Dykes running it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I, I don't know if Garrett Riley, if they went and got Garrett Riley, <laughs> sign me up, man. <laughs> sign me up. Uh, it's gonna cost money though, because you guys don't know TCU has buku de cash. Um, when Gary Patterson was it's a private school, so they don't release the contract information. So Gary Patterson's deal, because everybody used to kind of throw his name around when Carolina had an opening because Eric Hyman hired him at TCU. And so whenever you get the speculation about Spurrier possibly you know, taking Alabama, retiring, whatever, Gary Patterson's name would come up. So you, you always check into it. And it was like seven – before people were making $10 million a year, it was seven. Okay. <laughs> Plus, get this. One of the boosters gave him access to a private jet Anytime he wanted it. There's money, there's oil money, right? <laughs> so if like he and his wife wanted to get in the jet and fly to Austin, uh, where they live now, uh, for dinner, or fly to Chicago for dinner, <laughs> or, or L.A. for dinner, or whatever, he could do it. Anytime. I mean, that's a deal. I mean, and, and so T, I, the, the point of all that is, you think you're going to go in there with SEC money and just pluck TCU's OC? Uh, you, you have a battle on your hands financially, if they care. If they, two if they states care. where that's hard to do is Texas and Oklahoma. Those <laughs> two states yeah. to go flashing money around in. <laughs> so oh, hell, we got that laying over here. Look. Yeah, look, how much you need? Three million. All right, let me get it out of my boots. Oh, oh, man, that's right in the closet. There. In fact, they're in my closet. Get, get, get my cowboy chaps on. And <laughs> <laughs> Sonder, on a positive note, I'll be moving back to Columbia in the next year or two. So see if the season tickets are back on the menu. 
I think there's probably a chance old Sherb here will be back uh, maybe a little later than that, but definitely coming back. Can't wait. Can't decide where I want to move in South Carolina, but uh, got got a few years to figure that out. <laughs> Ryan asked, was Beamer close to firing Sat last year? Uh, I think had the bowl game gone bad and horribly, uh, probably, you know, there would have been a move made. Um, so, yes, uh, all the speculation that the bowl game – was a big factor. It was, it was Quantrill says Beamer is going to make a change. I don't know why everyone's up in arms. He's a competitor. My focus would be on him making the right next OC hire. That's true. Uh, and we got a lot of time to discuss that when that happens. Um, you know, cause that that's big, it's going to be a big hire and it, it needs to work out. People are tired of seeing bad offense tired. Uh, and, it, to, it compounds things. It, and like I said, it's not Beamer's fault what happened previously. Uh, but I'll remind everyone, Ray Tanner, when he introduced Jay Beamer, he said, the name of the game's offense now. We got an offense-minded coach and blah, 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 blah. And then he started talking about Lincoln Riley. And, you know, I, it was like, yeah, okay, great. Let's do it. And and nothing's looked like that. It's not even close. I mean, it's, it's, there's a disconnect there, certainly. Um, and, so, so that's on him, right? It's not on him that Muschamp hired one good, you know, finally made the right hires last year, in my opinion. But, uh, you know, I, I, I do think that stuff, what happened with Muschamp compounds everything, Quantrell. And, and think about this, too. Think about last academic year. Football team couldn't score. Basketball team men's couldn't throw it in the ocean half the time. Couldn't score. Women's basketball team, national champs, yes. High scoring, not necessarily. <laughs> but layup, brick layups over and over, you know. Um, <clears throat> some ugly games on the women's side, you know. And and Dawn's teams are kind of grinded out defensive-minded teams. That's why they win. But they don't really score a whole lot, you know, some of the time. But sometimes they do. Uh, well, they baseball. Last night, though, man, they put 123, I think it was, on, you know, Benedict. Oh, Benedict. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get Benedict over here. All right. You know, yeah, the Washington might a, Generals. Might be a little harder to do against a Mulkey team. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that Mulkey, that Mulkey no, rivalry is going to get there. LSU, South Carolina women's basketball is going to get there. Um, it uh, And then baseball came, and we all know. Uh, even though they had pitching injuries, they still couldn't hit the ball. So there's just a lack of scoring. It's, it's in that, yeah, at South Carolina. And I think people are tired of it. They, they want to see some shots go in. They want to see some dingers over the fence and some, you know, RBI triples and things and, 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 and three-point shots and touchdowns, you know. Uh, maybe says let step call things. I don't care if it's an abject failure. It can't be worse than set if you lose to Vandy. It's going to be interesting to see what happens if, if they lose to Mandy. I don't even want to – I mean, look, we're going to kill, power through the show, win or lose, but it, it's going to get downright disgusting. Yeah, be ugly. At that point, you know, you lose to Vandy, I'm, I'm willing to walk to Wally World. Yeah. <laughs> the family truckster is getting less. Yeah, yeah. We, we lose think, to Vandy, we're hey, walking to Wally yeah. World. <laughs> SC Scout guy says if we make a change at OC at the end of the season, you think it hurts our recruiting class? Well, there's no quarterbacks committed. I think it actually, you know, it hurts you to keep him. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think the O linemen are going anywhere because there's a change. Uh, you know, they, those guys all know football. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, maybe it affects Dante Reno. I mean, he obviously is a fan, but, uh, you know, the cynical area says doesn't spur or owe us half a season. Ask him to come back as OC until next year. <laughs> now, you want to really confuse everybody? You want to really confuse Jalen Brooks and Juice Wells and this oh guy? Let's, yeah. uh, let, let's, let's, let's bring Spurrier in it in a week. Shoot, let's just install the fun and gun. Come on, guys. How long we got? Who we put? Vandy. <laughs> These are called option rounds. Hell, we ought to be able to hang half a hundred on them. Did you see him? Did you see him coaching Spencer Rattler? Like, 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 not, not the good. And I kind of think Spencer would be great in that offense. But yeah, right. How, right. About, how about the confused, uh, mistake-filled Spencer Rattler that we see now? Could, could you see Steve Spurrier coaching that on the sidelines? Uh, well, we're just going to put Luke in. He was just, <laughs> somebody else needs to play. Luke. Now, I, I, I say that to say that I think if Steve Spurrier were coaching Spencer Rattler. <laughs> Carolina would be going up and down the field. Uh, yeah, I mean, something it, tells me, yeah, we would not have the same Spencer Rattler. <laughs> you, put, you put that – and think about the think about the offensive line Spurrier used to have at South Carolina. And I know that this offensive line is not it's, – it's probably average. I'd call it average, right? Mm-hmm. But there were some very below average offensive lines, below average offensive linemen a lot of times that played – in those early Spurrier years, and they struggled mightily, man. I mean, up front, he'd be throwing his visor, nobody'd block. And uh, you give Steve Spurrier this bunch back, you know, and they go up and down the field on most people. Goodness, yeah. Hmm. Seriously. Um, J Rock says a TCU fan on Twitter made the comment to me about underestimating the amount of money I have. But as I replied, you underestimate what Carolina will do when it comes to football. Yeah. I mean, and look, TCU went all in on Gary Patterson and Jamie Dixon, their basketball coach and facilities and all that. Are they going to roll? Um, are they going to roll the uh, that for a coordinator? Um, and Cartwright, Sonny Dykes is not calling plays at TCU per – it was on college game day the other day. Their, their quarterback talked about Garrett calling it. So, um, But, you know – Sonny has a big hand in it. All right, Sonder, yeah, put this up here, Phil, because I'm going to address this, then we're going to go to break. And I hope I'm going to, you know, uh, I I hope I put this to bed once and for all. Okay, and everybody tell your friends. Okay, tell your buddies that that repeat this rumor. Shane Beamer was going to keep Mike Bobo, and I know this, just I'm not going to tell you how I know this, but – uh, he had designs on keeping Mike Bobo before the job even came open. Okay. Shane almost tried to really hire him and Will Friend when and get his dad to do it at Virginia Tech. Bobo almost kind of wanted to venture out on his own, get away from Georgia or whatever, almost took it. Uh, they'd known each other for a long, long time, uh, you know, uh, frankly, I didn't know who Marcus Satterfield was, but I knew Mike Bobo and Shane Beamer were friends. And, and and Freddie Kitchens and all those guys. Um, so, yeah. So so there was no mandate from Tanner whatsoever to, you know, not pay Bobo's buyout. You know, there was no mandate on that at all. You know, nothing. Shane could have hired anybody he wanted, right? And uh, so, you know, th- th- that 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 did not happen. And I know it didn't happen because I know he was thinking about keeping Bobo way before the job even opened. So 
Um, and they hadn't, I don't think Shane Beamer was talking to Ray Tanner in, you know, September <laughs> when, when the Gamecocks were two and two, you know, riding out the Muschamp era. Uh, so I want to put that to rest once and for all. That did not happen under any circumstances. That, that's one of those Tanner rumors where people don't like Ray. And so they, they, they sit there and try to pin everything on him and uh, all that. And then they see Garrett Riley. They're like, well, we could have had Riley if that was the case. And that's just, that wasn't the case. That wasn't the case. So there we go, Sonder. I wanted to put that to bed right now. All right. Final break inside the Gamecocks, the show on a Tuesday, the Tuesday after Halloween, November 1st. Shout out to my boy, Skipper. It's his birthday yeah, today. Happy birthday. I'll say happy birthday, Skipper. Uh, he's not listening. He doesn't even know I do this, I don't think. But uh, shout out to Skipper. Uh, my boy, he is uh, 45 today, 45 years old. Skipper. Uh, big Gamecock fan, too. Big Gamecock fan. All right, we'll be back after these messages. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Hey, folks. JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, Don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. Go there. Food, truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, Take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. 
It's really good Southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. Hey, man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, Do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) I'm getting all that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. This is Braylon Wimmer, South Carolina Gamecock Baseball, and you are listening to Inside the Gamecocks, the show with JC and Phil. Go Cox! Welcome back. Go ahead. Sorry, Phil. That's all right. And final segment of Inside the Gamecocks, the show brought to you by Burgess and Team Remax at the Lake for the second hour. Give Adam or Derek a call or shoot him an email, A Burgesson. That's A B E R G E S O N at Remax.net for all your commercial real estate needs. All right. So, Gene Bell, I guess, faced the media today. Oh, Bell, wow. it's not really why I'm not out there. It's personnel packages. Wasn't expecting to only get nine snaps. Planned on having a big game. Damning, more, more damning speech from the play. Mm. Yeah. All, right. All right, Evan has a good point here. Does that know that teams still run slants in the NFL? <laughs> he was only there a year, dude. Yeah, he was the assistant offensive line coach. Okay, let's be let's get, let's get real about that too. Okay. Yeah, here you are. You got a guy that's you know been in that orbit. Uh, obviously, wants to be an offensive genius at the next level. Yeah. We just don't need that here anymore. Cause that's not stay there. Cause same thing happened to Kurt Roper. Right. Mm -hmm. Spent one year in the NFL, kind of getting coffee at the Browns and Mm -hmm. came back and wanted to make Jake Bentley as a true sophomore into Peyton Manning. Mm. Uh, but he threw great slam passes and stuff. I mean, you know, it, it wasn't as weird as this. No, because uh, that it is with the passing game's weird, dude. I mean, it's like we all working the sidelines and safe passes, and there's nothing uh, aggressive about this uh, since the Arkansas game. There's been nothing aggressive. Well, Georgia maybe they took some of that. You know, I don't know what shots they're calling that aren't working, but you know, they never throw it over the middle of the field, so. Uh, and, and the hot routes and stuff. Yeah. I mean, if you got a quarterback that's struggling, you know, you'd think that would be football, I mean, a, a basic part of any offense, but I just, I've never seen it. Maybe it is. I'm sure there's an explanation. <laughs> uh, Nick Terrios Capillos, we would see at least three quarterbacks play if uh, Spurrier played with Rattler. Yeah. Now, I, I think, I think Rattler will be fine. Um, Seth, SC Scout guy says going to a lower level and getting Clayton White has worked out well. Do you think Shane will try to find a gym at a lower level? 
instead of hiring a current Power 5 OC. I don't know. Uh, current Power 5 OC, who, I mean, you know, I I, I don't care about uh, about that. And I, but the other, I mean, it's a great question, SC Scout guy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to put a criteria on it to say this guy needs to be, you know, one of the masters of the SEC calling plays. Uh, but I do think what they have to do is this. <clears throat> you have to have a guy that has a long track record of success. Um, yeah. And by long, it could be three years, two years at a lower level school. But a guy whose offenses consistently go out there and perform and put points on the board and pile up the yardage. Um, that's that makes sense. I mean, yeah, like you know, option offenses obviously do that. <laughs> you know, but you're not going to go hire the guy from Army and run that at South Carolina. I mean, it'll ruin your recruiting. <laughs> but uh, you know, um, but that's that's the thing they need to do. Some somebody where they tr- that that you know going in. Okay, this guy did it big time here, and so you know you need to go. Uh, you know, hopefully he can do it here. Not a guy that's kind of been up and down and been all over. You know. Got demoted, whatever. I mean, that said, sometimes you find a guy like that, and I go back to one Rob Spence, the mad scientist at Clemson University. That's the first thing Dabo did was fire him. You know, you know, complicated offense, all that good stuff. You know, he put up a ton of points and yards at Toledo, and you know, you know, so you kind of got to look at that too. How complicated is what you are doing? How much into the weeds are you going to get? I mean, look, Ellis Johnson is probably one of the better defensive coordinators South Carolina's ever had. The the scheme that he ran at South Carolina, it's the same scheme he ran at Spartanburg High School. But in his thing, keep things as simple as possible and go fast. And that defense, his defense, fast. They played fast. Mm-hmm. They played fast. Um. Saunders says, thanks for the clarification. The story didn't line up with what I've heard from my sources as well. Good, yeah. Saunders. That's good. Yeah, it didn't. That's, that's, that's it. Um, Jared says, would it be a mistake if Beamer hired Joe Brady? Seems like he was the top of the original list of OCs. Feels like we need an established brand who successfully called plays in the past. So Joe called it with the Panthers. Uh, you know, when, when he was with at LSU, he, he was up there firing in pass plays and suggestions and stuff like that. But grizzled veteran Steve Ingsminger was sitting there calling it, charting it, and stuff like that. Uh, I think that really was an underrated part, uh, I guess, of, of what LSU did that year. Um, you know, so you'd have to kind of look into it. I mean, I, you know, I, I, how complex is, is, is it going to be what he wants to do? Um, they hired LSU, hired those two Brady uh, assistant guys. Uh, that was a disaster. Joe Holderon got fired. Um, you know, I, this SAT system looks nothing like what Joe Brady ran at LSU. I mean, nothing. Oh, no, no, not even close. <laughs> uh, and basically, what they did at LSU is just a big wide open spread. But my question would be how much of that was what Insminger was already running? Uh, and then Brady kind of spiced it up, and they they were a great team dialing plays. Don't forget, they also had Joe Burrow, the quarterback, right, and yeah. an elite talent across the, the field. I mean, that LSU team, that, they were loaded that mm-hmm. year. Um, so so when you, when you got Joe Burrow, he's like a quarterback, an offensive coordinator on the field. Mm-hmm. 
That's right. Yeah. Uh, so, then, so, yeah. so that would be Mark Jason, the robot out on the edge. <laughs> now, yeah. now I'll say this: you want to make a big splash and a big name? Yeah, everybody in the country will be like applauding it. Will it work? I hope so. I don't think it can get any worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but but you have to be careful with all that, you know. I, I I'd almost rather Jared. Instead of chasing that name, I'd rather Beamer go find who, you know, like the guy at Tulsa, you know, mm-hmm. not to be to copy Dabo because he got Chad Morris from Tulsa. The guy at Tulsa is a heck of a coordinator from the Browse tree, probably looking for a good opportunity. You know, the money will be good. You know, I don't want to whether go to a lower level than go reach back into anyone that has anything to do with the NFL. Yeah. I mean, unless it's Cliff Kingsbury. And he gets fired from Arizona. And, uh, and he might be—he might be looking for a job. And maybe looking for a job because, because <laughs> number one, he's cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like Cliff Kingsbury. And, and number two, if he wants to come to South Carolina, that's a no-brainer. Or Dan Mullen, mm-hmm. you know, any of those like former head coach guys. Yeah, that's fine. That's funny. I was thinking about Kingsbury on Sunday. I was like, man, you know, I, he'd be one that I would take. <laughs> he'd be one that I would take. AJ, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that'd be good there. AJM two's back in the chat box. Welcome back. I don't think we can get an established brand unless it's an older guy. Hard to see someone on the head coach fast track choosing us. Yeah, and I don't care. <laughs> uh, yeah, even like, if you get a couple of year rental out of somebody who's going to, you know, put together something explosive or you know something competent, uh, I, I'd take that. Yeah, I mean, look, Josh Gaddis is a guy that was at Michigan and Alabama and Vanderbilt and Penn State and all those places and. Everybody talks about him being a future head coach and, oh, grand slam hire by Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he did all that well at Michigan. I think Michigan's better now that he's gone. I don't think he did that well at Miami either. Um, I mean, look at them. They're a dumpster fire. <laughs> um, you know, so that would be a name. You know, Josh Gaddis. Oh, my God. No, stay away from – I'd stay away from those types of guys. Uh, give me the guy that's going to be full of a little bit of piss and vinegar. Uh, it was something to prove. Now, that was Marcus Satterfield, okay? I mean, he fits those two definitions, right? But that has a proven system that, 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 that you go, wow, you know, this is uh, this is good stuff. It's easy to understand, you know, and, and easy to understand is important because in South Carolina, we've kind of been through the point, and, and South Carolina's players aren't dumb. Don't get me wrong. Uh, most places running Will Muschamp's defense without superior talent and depth like he had at Florida – um, even at Texas, they struggled some years, right? Uh, it is it, tough. Now, Georgia can do it because they got the depth and talent, and, you know, their they're kind of cream rises to the top. You know, if they have to put out the guy that knows the system the best instead of, like, the absolute best athlete, you're still putting a great athlete out there, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. At South Carolina, you're losing a bunch, okay? Um, and it's not that the players aren't smart. Don't I don't want to say that. I'm saying that when you – recruited a certain level, you can do a little bit more complexity. Now, even with that, Alabama, their offense is, even though Bill O'Brien's calling it, it is a pro system. It's, you know, red, green, purple, orange, and a number, you know. It's not seven words or whatever the crap they were talking about. Um, and so that so that's 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 important. And I think that when you look at, like, like the thing I said about Ellis Johnson, Ellis Johnson had it no matter what, how the whole time he was at Carolina, right? Now, there were some ugly games. Don't get me wrong. That 08 Clemson game was ugly. The dang 
Florida game that year was ugly. They couldn't stop Iowa. He could never stop Bobby Petrino for some reason. But for the most part, Ellis's defenses at South Carolina were hell on earth for opposing offenses. Uh, I mean, I remember Georgia coming in fourth in the country or something in 08. Carolina just lost to Vandy. Uh, game pass lose that game 14 to 7 with Matt. And uh, I think they had Matt Stafford and all those yeah, guys. Yeah. <laughs> 14 to 7. So Ellis Johnson's defense was great because the kids could learn it quickly and the kids could play fast because it's not. It's a high school defense. They need to take the same approach behind the scenes on offense. You can make it look, you know, like anything you want. Kendall Browse doesn't even use a playbook, okay? That's how not complex what he does is. But it looks like this crazy science project out there sometimes, formationally and all that. That's what you want. Easy to learn, hard to stop, okay? This offense they're running right now is hard to learn and easy to stop. Yep. Um, Jared says Jim Chaney would not be sexy, but is a good hire. Yeah, he can call plays circles around anybody else. Um, hey, JC, the rumor I heard was that Garrett Riley wanted to come here, but Beamer chose Satterfield. Do you know if that's true? No, nah, it's not true. Uh, there was some talk with Garrett Riley, uh, and then I was just told he what you know, all of a sudden they, they kept Bobo. I don't think Riley would, would have wanted to do a co coordinator thing, so. They kept Bobo, and then Bobo leaves, and, and Beamer went immediately to Sat because he had just kind of been talking. Um, I think it was almost like a – remember how George W. Bush picked Dick Cheney to be his vice president? Like he was talking to Cheney about who he should hire, and he was like, well, why don't I just make you the vice president? Yeah, it was like, yeah, he was a head, he was the head of the search committee or whatever, yeah. and then they think he's, 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 he's got the guy. He's got the job. <laughs> God, this uh, AJM says every hire is a roll of the dice. That's true. Yep. Um, Quantrell says, how about Willie Korn as an OC, or is that all Chadwell? I don't know. I like Willie Korn. He's a Burns guy. My mom taught his his uh, brother, uh, you know, his choice in schools at the time. Well, <laughs> you know, uh, colleges. Uh, I felt bad the way his uh, college career went down. Um, good human being. Um, you know, how much is him? How much is Chadwell? And, and, and if you're going to go to that style of offense, I, shoot, I think the quarterbacks here on campus would fit into it just fine. I mean, you know, if you think about even, even Rattler would fit into that mm -hmm. thing, uh, pretty good. Luke Doty, especially. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think Willie Korn would be an acceptable hire. Uh, you know, it, it, it it, it kind of borders on the gamble thing because of the guy that works for the guy uh, scenario I have, right? Uh, yeah. You never want to hire the guy that works for the guy. That's Kurt Roper. Like I said, that's what Muschamp did after the Charlie Weiss experiment in Florida. He did that twice. He hired the guy from Boise that worked for Chris Peterson, and he hired the guy from uh, Duke that worked for David Cutcliffe, and then he hired him again at South Carolina. Um, BMAC was kind of a create, creative thing, and then finally he got it right. So – you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I that would kind of, to me, I would get behind Willie Corn, and it's not just because I, I kind of know his family, uh, and he's a Burns guy. Uh, but I think, I think he knows enough about offensive football, having played it and lived it, to where you, you would have a guy that could dial him up. He did learn from Bobby Bentley, you know. So that would, but uh, I do think that would border on. 
is this another gamble? And I don't, I think you got to have going in a guy with a track record. That that's the, that's the thing there. J rock says he's glad Jaheim is speaking out about it. I agree. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's sad when well, during the week when there's a game and we watch the game, we see Jaheim more on this commercial when he's telling us that it's the show, you know, that's part of his NIL deal with Carolina rise. We see him more on this screen than we do on our TV screens. I can guarantee you, you'll see him at least once a day. <laughs> Daddy S says, statistically speaking, our next host OC will be amazing. Cause look how bad our last three were. I don't think my Bobo was bad. I think my Bobo kept you in the games that you were in. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. You know, that was an opposite issue. That was more of a quarterback talent. There's no receivers. Uh, issue with Bobo uh, because look, he had no look at look at look at what actually happened that year. He had no problems getting the ball to his what few playmakers he had. He fed Kevin Harris. He he, he fed uh, who was the backup that's at Oregon State now? Deshaun Fenwick, and he had yeah, a good year. Produced uh, the league leading rusher. Yeah, I mean, and and did a lot with less. Somehow, some way, Shy Smith would get open. How, how did that happen? You know, uh, you know, the excuse about Bell was other teams schemed to take him out of the game. Every team they played in 2020 schemed to take Chai Smith out of the game because they didn't have anybody else. And Mike Bobo still got him open. I seem to remember 13 running across the middle of the field a lot. Yeah. Well, maybe mm. I'm just, maybe I'm misremembering. I don't know. Coach O. You know, uh, SC Scott guy says, do you think that Mike Bobo regrets not staying here instead of taking Auburn? He would still be our OC if he did, instead of an analyst at UGA. Yeah, um, I don't know that for sure, but you know, that Auburn situation was not good. <laughs> so that's it. Mike Shanahan seems to be doing a good job as OC at James Madison. I need to look him up. Now, they're number one in defense, JMU is. So, you know, maybe he points out that Dick Cheney was a lot more effective as VP than Satterfield has been as OC. <laughs> <laughs> Touchdown, Carolina. Touchdown, Dick Cheney. Touchdown, Dick Cheney. <laughs> I was hoping uh, like Nate Atkins would catch a touchdown so we hear, Touchdown, Carolina. Touchdown, Greg Atkins. Greg. <laughs> oh, I'm never going to dance again. I'm never going <laughs> to. I, I stole I'm never going to dance again from that Florida Panthers guy. Yeah, yeah, that was good. <laughs> um, Cartwright says, okay, so I want Mike Shanahan final answer. <laughs> <laughs> Are we talking? Like, I don't know much about Mike Shanahan. Is he Is he of the, the Shanahan Shanahan's? Is Shanahan. that what we're talking about here? <laughs> I think so. Uh, okay. Yeah, and That's and a I, very unique name. <laughs> JME's offense is uh, interesting. I mean, it, it's, a, it's kind of a wide open deal. I mean, mm-hmm. just look at Juice Wells and the numbers he put up and how well he performed. Yes. Yes. So, um, you know, he says, happy, happy, happy. If Gamecock fans really want to change the coordinator, stop selling out Williams Bryce and showing up for games. till the change is made. Um, all that does is hurt the program. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't, that, yeah. you know, not showing up because you're mad about the offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Uh, all that does is tell recruits that, Hey, these, these fans don't, you know, they're, they're losers, you know, that's not being a winner uh, doing that. Now, look, if things got really bad, like at any place, like in Arkansas, when they had Chad Morris and it gets that bad and they didn't start, that there was half the stadium was full because they were unhappy, 
that's quite another thing. But you don't stop. I mean, why? why? It's like taking a meat mallet and beating yourself in the face because it's never going to get it. You're never going to get to that next level if you don't recruit. And it's hard to recruit when you got, you know, people that think that they're they're protesting or, or whatever and it's going to work. So um, now I think you still go pack it out just like you've done all year yeah. um, and all that good stuff. There's only um, one more opportunity left, so you know. Yeah, there's one make game. Loud, make it rowdy. Mm-hmm. Hey, and Tennessee's booster, one of their big boosters. God, they got a lot of money up there. Uh, That's another ball. thing I was going to say about that last thing, especially with recruits, is your brand is not big enough, and neither are your NIL coffers to be able to have recruits come into a quarter field Williams Bryce Stadium looking like you know Miami does every week. Yeah, <laughs> they can overcome that with money. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> not South Carolina. And yeah. I'll say this, too, to wrap it up today. Uh, you know, I mentioned that about Tennessee. One of their boosters bought all the remaining tickets at Sanford Stadium this weekend that was on that were on Ticketmaster, right? All of them. And he's wow. giving them away to Tennessee. Just fans. giving them away. Just so like, I, want, I want Georgia to feel like they're in Tennessee. <laughs> Here's a billion dollars. <laughs> I hope that doesn't become a trend and in, in, in Columbia the next week we're let, looking at a sea of orange. We know they bring, you know, they yeah, haven't been good in a long time. Cool. Yeah. But when they're good, they bring a pretty big crowd down. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. All right, guys. We got to wrap it up for today. Tomorrow we'll have Jamie Bradford in here. Anybody else tomorrow, Phil? Or just Jamie, uh, just JB? No, we just got our regular friends this week. Just regular, regular friends this week. So we'll have all that for you. Uh, for the rest of the week, as we churn on towards Vandy, uh, we're on to Vanderbilt. We're on to Vanderbilt. So uh, we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Don't forget the Inside the Game Cox mailbag, the IHELP Consulting mailbag, Inside the Game Cox at gmail.com. You can also always catch this on Spotify and Apple. Yeah, within a couple hours after we get done, usually sooner. Um, for Phil Mullinax, it's JC Sherbert. This has been Inside the Game Cox's show. Everyone have a wonderful day.